from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. We have a writer with expertise for every situation at the Chronicle, and apparently that includes hangovers. I very hesitantly asked food editor Paolo Lucchese and wine writer Esther Mobley if they'd join me to talk about hangover destinations. They were informative, creative, the kind of nurturing, no-judgment guides you'd want after a brutal night on the town. Here's Esther talking about that, with the Battle Hymn of the Republic placed over her monologue in post-production. I want to just say, no stigma. I mean, everyone, sometimes you don't even drink that much and you feel hungover. Sometimes, like, it's inexplicable. Some, most of the time, I think, you know, sometimes you don't get a hangover when you probably deserve one. And so I just think, you know, show up with pride the next morning or late at night and uh, hold your head high. So no shame, pour a drink or six and listen to our Destination Hangover episode. We get in depth about the hangover healing properties of the IHOP menu. Esther has a recommendation for a 1 a.m. meal in Colma. And we'll give a eulogy for Lions, the greatest hangover destination of my generation. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to The Big Event. Paolo Lucchese, welcome back. And Esther Mobley, here for Hangover Destinations. Are you cool with that? Are you, I mean, I invited you. Did you feel a little bit like, why is he asking me? <laughs> this, is, this is journalism we need. Yeah. This is, this, we get the people what they want. Paolo and I have to be experts in something. And <laughs> hangovers, hangovers is within our areas of expertise. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad you feel that way because it, it was an awkward email to write. And I probably should have come up to your desk, but that might have been worse. But um, I want to talk about hangover restaurants. And it's a little bit complicated. I want a little bit about um, the hangover restaurant you go to the next day. And also when you're coming down off your drink. <laughs> Uh, in the Bay Area, specific restaurants that fit that classification. And it came up uh, a few weeks ago when Buco de Beppo closed. And I felt a little bit, you know, I mean, really great restaurants close all the time. But when Buco de Beppo closed, I'm like, well, wait a second. If I'm if it's two in the morning and I'm coming down off something, which almost never happens anymore, I want to know Buco de Beppo is there because that's the only reason I'm going to eat there. But that specific reason, I kind of need it. So it got me thinking about hangover destinations, and um, I wanted to ask you guys, um, Buco de Beppo, you ever eat there? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like I should be more offended that you brought the Italian guy on to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. Buco de Beppo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, um, yeah, I not for years, and especially considering it's, it was basically around the corner from the Chronicle. Yeah. Um, but I never went there, I think, probably while I worked here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, but I think I, I do remember writing about it and I think it's best claim to fame in the last 10 years was, um, when Pablo Sandoval went there after the Giants won their first world series in 2010 and ordered that colossal brownie Sunday that was basically the size <laughs> of like three small children. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, he was so happy in the background and that was just like the iconic photo of Buca de Beppo to me for years. But yeah, I don't know. Have you been? 
Uh, no, I ha- I'm embarrassed to say I never have been, but I'm a recent Bay Area transplant, so that's yeah. my excuse. Uh, that kind of food is still, you see it a lot in New York still, just that kind of the red sauce joint. I mean, this Buga de Beppo is obviously almost like a, you know, it's a watered-down chain version of those red sauce joints in, in New York, but you don't see it a ton in San Francisco anymore, but every couple years there's one restaurant who thinks they're going to try to reinvent that Buco de Beppo model when Buco de Beppo really did it oddly well for what they were trying to do, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. If, I mean, was, can you make the case for their food, Peter? I, I can <laughs> at two in the morning. Um, I, I actually went there. I should flush this out. I believe it was when the Chronicle and Examiner merged. And this was a very like difficult time in like 99, <laughs> 2000, and we all thought we were going to lose our jobs. Like, no one knew what was going to happen to the Chronicle and Examiner. 2017, I'm still here. I've got my podcast. <laughs> but back then, I was like, I was looking to cling to something. And that thing I was looking to cling to, and after a um, party in the alley here, uh, wearing my Examiner shirt, not knowing what my Chronicle future would be, was Buca de Beppo. That was my, like, door outside the Titanic um, yeah, I love I love the visual of just a bunch of depressed newspaper people or, or scared <laughs> newspaper just like binge eating red, like pasta, spaghetti and meatballs at Buca de Beppo. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to know what these alley parties were in the alley where they have um, now it's they have off the grid. There's an alley yeah. between the chron- the old Chronicle and the old Examiner building, 901 Mission Ministry. <clears throat> it used to be the Chronicle and Examiner were separate. Where Yahoo is now was the examiner, and the Chronicle was on the other side where we are now. Third floor has an arch over this alley, and that third floor, we called it the demilitarized zone. (laughs) Because that is where... Oddly relevant this week. We're not going to talk about hangover destinations. Let's just talk about ancient examiner-chronicle rivalry (laughs) history. So they would... um, The the back shop guys would... um, like cut and paste the paper together in this demilitarized zone, which is literally a floor that is over the alley where off the grid is now. And at certain times of the day, if you were in the examiner, you couldn't go in there because they were doing the Chronicle paper and certain times of the day, because they were doing both our papers. Right. Got it. Okay. But we all had spies. So we all knew what was going on. Anyway, the alley below that, um, is shaded from the rain, and, and they would have, you know, bring... I don't think they had food trucks back then, but they'd put out some tables and feed us some food and play some music. We'd break dance. It was 99. So wow, it was the Chronicle bad. used to be a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but it's pretty cool now. So, um, yeah, hangover destinations. I, I, I thought we could get a definition first. I mean, what is a good hangover restaurant? What constitutes a hangover restaurant? So you brought up already carbs and grease. Those are important. I think not uh, physiologically important, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you need that to absorb whatever toxins are trying to escape <laughs> from your body. And that's a scientific account of what goes on. But I think um, equally important is you um, don't really want to, like, run into people you don't want to see you in these <laughs> this pretty bad hungover state, right? Correct. Like you don't want to run into your boss, which in my case is Paolo. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. I would also add um, timely service. 
because I've, you know, one of the worst things is waiting for brunch or waiting for coffee. And that's one of the great crimes of this third wave coffee movement that we have in our city right now and across the country. While, while great in many ways, um, it's also very difficult for when you may be hungover and it, you have to wait in line for 10 minutes to get to order a cup of coffee and then you have to wait 10 more minutes to get your cup of coffee and everyone around you is also waiting for the same coffee. And so I think, you know, and, and obviously brunch lines are such a um, thing in San Francisco as well. So I, I would add prompt service to that list. I'd add to, I don't want it to be a place I would go when I'm not hungover. It's almost like wasting um, a, a date night with my wife at a kid-friendly <laughs> restaurant. That's how I feel about it. Um, I also, uh, I just don't want to be, you mentioned it, Esther, you know, I, I did a Mother's Day buffet brunch once at Bricks, and I was hungover. And it was the worst. And it, part of it was because I'm there, and there's all these people, and I'm feeling awful, and I can't just, like, slouch. And part of it was the food was so good, and I wasn't tasting it. I mean, my olfactory senses were dulled. So that's one for me. I also, I think a shame element is okay. Um, I don't mind going to, I'm feeling a little shame anyway. I don't mind going to a place that would normally make me feel shame. And Buca de Beppo, I mean, I'm, I'm being stuck up about it. Um, you know, that's a fine restaurant. People go to it. You know, it serves its purpose. People like it. I shouldn't be that way. But that's kind of how I felt about that, too. I'm like, okay, I deserve after the, you know, S show that I just put on in the <laughs> Examiner Alley breakdancing thank god there's no social media uh i'm gonna go to buca de beppo i that's my level right now so that's my qualifications i think we got a pretty good set of criteria yeah so let's start with like firsts old ones maybe you have a memory of maybe your first hangover restaurant or a classic one that's gone now um something that uh from college or when you were you know, just starting to drink, Paolo? Um, you know, for, I guess if we're talking about the day after, which I think is what we're talking about right now for now, but I do want to get into those late night haunts as well. But, you know, the day after ones, you know, I'll always, and it's still open actually, it's Nini's in San Mateo. Um, and it's a beautiful little diner, greasy spoon right off the freeway. And that was just one of those places that, you know, I've been going since, you know, high school, not hungover since high school, but um, just it was been part of that era of your early 20s and with your friends and your family. And it's just kind of always been a place and you always get the same thing, you know, the omelet with bacon and and it's just kind of comfort. It's that it's that it's that um, feeling of like a refuge. It's like this. uh healing power that is you know, of comfort what's your go-to in that situation what, what are you ordering yeah i think i think it is like it's like an, an omelet with home fries and but i think honestly for me the big standard order is the um the liquid breakfast which is <laughs> water coffee juice all at once um Bloody Mary, if appropriate, with the, <laughs> in the context. Uh, beer, if appropriate, in the context. And so you have like three to four drinks lined up in addition. And also the drinks come faster than the food, obviously. Yeah. And that is also a – that's a 
it's a good tip. I like it. And I like, like, when you have those drinks lined up, I'm sure this place, whoever works there, it doesn't phase them a bit. They do not judge you. You could order every drink on the menu, and it's cool. No, it's a safe place. Yeah, it's a safe place. (laughs) So, Esther, one or two of your classics, if you... So these, they won't mean a lot to our local listeners, but um, in Newton, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up, there's kind of two rival spots, and um, I'm I'm ashamed to say, Grandma, that I did occasionally need them in high school. But um, one is called Eddie's, and there's a big sign when you walk in that um, on the door on the wall that says, "My name is Eddie. Your breakfast is ready." And my mother to this day will say, "Let's go to My name is Eddie. Your breakfast is ready." Among uh, my friends, it was more um, often known as Hetty Eddie's. And the thing you get at Eddie's is the Highway Special, which is basically just a croissant breakfast sandwich. But um, it's like $3. It's so cheap. <laughs> but um, the whole, all the walls there are also lined with all this um, really old uh, mafia paraphernalia. It's like an nice. Italian mob hangout. And, um, and that place, it's greasy enough. It's cheap enough. The, the lights somehow are never like blind quite too blinding yeah um and that'll get you through any day the but but it's the place across town called the naughty pine with a k naughty that um has this this crazy rendition of hash browns that i think is especially hangover curing like i mean hash browns come in many forms or breakfast potatoes i guess (laughs) but um there's some places, I'm sure you guys are familiar, that just somehow make like a huge mounded plate. It's like not quite shredded, not quite cubed potatoes. It was like obviously at one point probably roasted, but then it's like griddled with one of those like, <laughs> it's like, you know, like chicken under a brick style. <laughs> and um, to me, that is like the ultimate hangover absorption method. I like that. I, I think the the hash brown is kind of an ultimate hangover food because it sort of is made to absorb <laughs> yeah. any amount of sodium and butter you want to put on it. Mm-hmm. So ketchup, yeah. And you know, Vegas there are McDonald's there, and the ma- McDonald's hash browns are not bad. McDonald's hash browns. All right, good to well, know. Let's do. I'm going to detour there in a second. I'm going to go with Lions. Um, Lions and Milbray. But it was a chain across the peninsula. I don't know how much farther. My worldview at that time was kind of limited. But I remember Lions was like our late night mm-hmm. coming down. You head over there. And, I mean, I can't remember any of the food, but all the ambiance things were right. There was plenty of space. You knew you weren't going to bother anybody. Um, you were not going to phase the waitress or waiter. And... Um, Right next to a really good bowling alley, too, King's Bowl. Hmm. So a lot of things were going on in King's Bowl and then underneath. Mm -hmm. um, People smoked a lot underneath King's Bowl. It was kind of up on – anyway, I'm telling you too much. But Lions (laughs) was sort of my ultimate. I was very sad when I moved back here in 99 and the Lions were closing and pretty soon they were gone because that was kind of my my hangover slash coming down off drinking safe space. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I always remember the lines scattered. Like the one in Daly City was particularly, it was that, that such, they're all, they're all such cool buildings too. And I don't know if the one in Daly City was original lines or not, but it's just, I mean, yeah, it's gone, but it's, I'll always remember that. It was right on John Daly. It was yeah. so cool. 
It was Lions. That one was Lions, and I think it was briefly a Sambo's. Oh, really? Which, how in our lifetime was there a restaurant chain called Sambo's? <laughs> oh, God. Um, Yikes. And there were, like, drawings on the wall. I'm not, we won't get into that. How do you feel about fast food? You were, you were talking about the McDonald's. Yeah, no, I mean, I think to your earlier point, um, to when, when you're feeling shame, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it is. I mean, uh, part of one of my, one, like, I love going to In-N-Out when it's, I know that's kind of the snobby fast food, so to speak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, it's great. And, you know, I know people for sure. And that's also late night. I mean, in San Francisco, there's not a ton um, open late night. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jack in the Box, that was, like, a constant, like, growing up place to go at 2 a.m. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's okay. I'm I'm more likely to go for pizza late at night. And um, I lived in New York before I moved to San Francisco. And there, I mean, it's impossible. You don't want to even wait for a burger at a fast food joint. You can just walk into one of these pizza joints that's open all night for 99 cents, two bros, you get a huge slice of pizza, and to me, that's like a good late-night absorption. Nice. Late-night absorption. We're getting a lot of terms here. <laughs> uh, we're going to need a glossary. <laughs> okay, so I want to get into um, right now, Bay Area, today, like news you can use. This will be the little booklet that comes out, you know, with the Chronicle 100 <laughs> hangover destinations. Probably not. But um, where would you go now? Another thing that sparked this, I took my son um, to Mel's Diner, and he's like eight or nine years old and picky with food. And I'm like, well, it's got bacon and it's got, you know, orange juice. He'll... And I realized sitting there, I sat down and he's across from me and he's doing the little, you know, jumble or whatever little thing with the crayons. And something was off and I suddenly realized I have not been here <laughs> sober, <laughs> like ever. I mean – ever and i've been there like 20 times but like i've never soberly chosen to go to mel's or go there without a hangover so mel's is the first on my list um i would not go there i feel a little bit of shame going there the food is not something i'm gonna seek out any other time mel's diner thoughts you made you just made a very persuasive case i'm out on mel's i'm 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 I don't like Mel's. I don't know why. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, Shots fired. No, I, I'm, I, I just have a. I feel like it's, I don't know, the pumpkin spice. It's it of <laughs> local, local, pa- local for diners. Those, for those yeah. who don't know, Paolo has very strong feelings about the pumpkin spice. Um, it's it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I think Mel's is. I just think it's so aggressively overpriced. I think. You can get similar diner staples at the other diners in San Francisco. I was going to say independently owned, but I don't know if Mel's. I assume it's like chain chain and not, even though I know it's kind of probably started in a good place. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I just, I just have, maybe, maybe it's just I'm bitter because I too have gone into Mel's many times um, in either late night or in a hungover state and somehow ended ended up paying $30 for a patty melt. <laughs> yeah. And I just, maybe I'm bitter. Maybe I'm just mad at myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this is about. Well, can we, on this note, can we talk about IHOP and what our, the group's feelings are on IHOP? Yes, you start. Um, <laughs> feelings are pretty positive. And in, uh, in suburban Boston where I grew up, 
IHOP was like the place we would go late night when we we you know we obviously weren't going out to bars in high school, but we would we would like go to IHOP super late at night, order decaf coffee, and I'm sorry, but I still am always tempted every time I go in there to order the pancake with the happy face on it. Uh-huh. I just think to me that's like comfort, healing, refuge. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Can I ask before this a little bit of a bad segue, but um uh your wine writer and does that mess up your palate? Like if you eat at IHOP at like ten or eleven and you're doing a tasting at like five, is it just are you done or no, not I mean if I'm at IHOP, I'm you can rest assured I'm not going to be tasting wines. There's going to be a grace period. <laughs> okay. But um, no, no, no. I'll okay. and I'll um. I mean, some people are are crazy and won't drink, or I should say, they're really serious wine tasters and they won't drink coffee before drinking wine. But I'll, as long as I give myself some time to mellow out, I'll eat anything. I my IHOP problem is the last couple times I've eaten there, I've like felt like IHOP and. Um, I feel like it's pretty, it was expensive for what I thought it was going to be super cheap because it's IHOP. Like how expensive? It, it was like just a tad below going to my good diner in Alameda mm. expensive. Mm. I, maybe I was ordering too many extra things or maybe I ordered too much food. Maybe they just looked at me and like, I'm a mark. Like, <laughs> like I look like I don't belong <laughs> in IHOP. That happened to me. The Chronicle sent me to a dispensary. And and had me get my card and do my appointment. And they gave me like a, you know, guy who doesn't know what he's doing price. I found out later. Anyway, I feel that way with IHOP. I feel like I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I'm ordering like I shouldn't get this salsa on the side or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm getting upcharged. It wasn't super expensive, but I thought IHOP, this is going to be a inexpensive right, meal. Right, right. The menu's so confusing, and because they have don't they have steak on the menu? And the last time I was there, they had those um, croissant waffles that they mm. called Chris croissants, Chris croissants, yeah. and they <laughs> were just horrible. Um, but I saw the commercial; I was really curious. And, wow. Um, but yeah, but I'm with you. I think it could be a little, a little yeah. cheaper. I I don't know. I I was really craving it not craving it but i was i went by an ihop and it felt right and then i went inside and i was thinking this is going to be a nice cheap meal and i mean it wasn't super expensive but i thought i don't know well maybe i hadn't gone in one in 15 years and i just i didn't realize inflation would (laughs) would affect an ihop too Um, to me the better ihop alternative but i don't know if they exist here is waffle house there's no have, Waffle House. There's no there. Waffle House. Okay. No. That's a shame. There is, and it's on my list, sort of. Um, it's kind of right in that bricks. Like, I don't want to go here and waste a meal on it, but I might go hungover. Um, there's a house of chicken and waffles in um, Oakland, Jack London, and house of chicken and waffles. It was a Roscoe's. When it came out, you mm-hmm. would see the menu, and they had, like, crossed out Roscoe's. There was some... I don't know if there was a dispute or something. Maybe you know about it. But I mean, they were using the Roscoe's recipes, and and then uh, that place is pretty good. Yeah, and it's not too far. It's like near the Jack London uh, Hotel or Motel or whatever. The one that got like the lowest Yelp rating in history. (laughs) And um, yeah, right there, the train goes by you. It's nice. Nice. Another hangover destination. So um, one is uh, Cafe Colma. 
which is the all late night diner within the Lucky Chances Casino in Colma. I was introduced to it by our former restaurant correspondent, Anna Roth, who went there to uh, basically write a review. And I accompanied her. And we were like, we can't show up to this place before midnight. And I think we showed up at like 1.30, 2 in the morning, got this greasy Filipino breakfast. It was so bright. It was a little like blindingly bright. And we were just surrounded by all these people who had been gambling all evening in this casino in Colma. So we actually felt like we were not at at rock bottom compared to many of the people surrounding <laughs> us. And um, to me, that is like, that is such a perfect late night. You're not going to run into anyone you know in Colma, probably. No. Living. <laughs> Could you, for anybody who lives outside of the Bay Area, what's, what's Colma known for? Um, it's a necropolis. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a necropolis. <laughs> Dead, there's like, what is it? Like, there's... A hundred times as many dead people yeah, there as alive. Like a population of a couple hundred, and there's just thousands and thousands of dead people. And it's a cemetery. Cemetery, yeah, not just cemetery dead town. people, but yeah. <laughs> so that's that's good. I like that. That's that's nice. Yeah. Um, and Filipino food. Like, what what did you order there? Do you remember? Like, you get um, a, you, you're getting a scoop of rice. Uh, fry a really greasy fried egg and sausage. That kind of really good sweet Filipino sausage. Is there video poker at the table where you're eating? <laughs> that would be amazing. No, but that that is a good suggestion for improvement. To yeah, Cafe Colma. Cafe Colma. Okay, <laughs> suggestion box. We'll put mm-hmm. that in the. Uh, yeah, you got um, another one. Yeah, um, I love. You know, I think we've been talking a lot about eggs and bacon. Um, but I also love soup, and especially, like, uh, Mexican soups. Um, so Gallardo's in the Mission is just, like, their menudo, the pozole. Like, you have – it's almost, like, restorative, and that's just, like, really – and it's, you know, I think, you know, with the greasy – some of the greasy diner food, it's, like, you need that right then. But, you know, depending on your level of hangover, you know, sometimes just, like, having that giant bowl of soup just kind of is just – actually makes you feel better instead of making you feel – tired and need a nap which is also good what's your soup what's your i mean what are you ordering there are you going i think it's for pro- the tripe or are you the, I, I do like the menudo yeah the tripe is great um i also like just like a straight chicken pozole that's also they do that well too i like it that's good i okay. wasn't expecting that that was good we're, we're going in a lot of different directions here we can call <laughs> and try uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take us back to the um egg and carb combination and um i'm gonna go with Merritt bakery Mm. Uh, in Oakland, um, maybe a little controversial too because it's kind of beloved. I love the place for the bakery. I think the bakery is a solid A minus. Maybe brought up to an A because they have a giant cake <laughs> in the shape of a hamburger. That I happen to know that Pixar orders the giant hamburger cake for their wrap parties. Um, I think their bakery is really good. I think their food, especially over the years, as they've had some financial troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd give the food maybe a C plus. Um, but what I like about it is it's um, very throwback, you know, 70s decor. You can pick up your penny saver like auto shopper. And that's big for me. I don't want to be looking at my phone. I want to go back to like 19, you know, let's say 93 and either have like my sports scores from the day before, be reading the the agate or um, I want to go in the Daily Shopper and, and look at um, pickup trucks that <laughs> I'll never buy and eat my Joe's Special or Spanish Omelette. So Merritt Bakery, um, 
that's that's on my list. The Joe's special is an amazing part of the city's culture too, or the Bay yeah. Area. I mean, it's always like even when the, we, even when it might be a C plus kind of place for the, most of their food, like it's pretty darn hard to mess up a Joe's special. Yeah. Um, excellent. So we've got Merritt Bakery, Coma, Tripe, Mel's, <laughs> maybe that's controversial. Uh, McDonald's hash browns, other foods, other destinations. I sometimes have been dragged by my friends who want to drink all morning to this bar called Teeth in the Mission, or Dr. Teeth, some people call it. And um, it's a little, it, it can feel a little bit like hipster mission, but basically almost every brunch dish they make includes a vast amount of tater tots including tachos which they make and they're just like loaded with sour cream they're so big Wait, and how's that spelled tachos like nachos with um the spelling i think is open for interpretation <laughs> but that is the portmanteau it's uh tater tots nachos combined yeah um so actually i guess in a way it's not dissimilar from the giant of hash browns that I remember fondly from my youth. But um, but that is a place where you can get like a really large serving, greasy, tater top based brunch. Bring it outside. Your friends who want to drink mimosas can drink them. Nice. nice. Or you in your hungover state can. Tachos. <laughs> I like it. Paolo, um, you got one more? I got a couple more, yeah. Um, just to piggyback on what I said about soup earlier. <laughs> um, I love pho the next day uh, when you're hungover, and I think that's so good. Um, there are obviously, I mean, I think almost even, it's, I think pho is kind of like Joe special, the Joe special or pizza. It's like even when it's not great, it's still really good. Uh, it's pretty hard to mess it up. I mean, I love Turtle Tower. I think everyone loves Turtle Tower. Um, but also the other one I had... Um, I, especially on Saturday morning, I love kind of just going to the ferry building farmer's market um, and just getting like 45. Uh, they're not there anymore, but that's this is like kind of one of my memories is the 4505 burger with an egg on it. <laughs> and so and then you can also get the wheatgrass shot from one of the farm stands, which is also restorative. It makes you feel better, like you're being healthy before you stuff your face <laughs> with a giant <laughs> burger with an egg on it. Um, but I think the burger with the egg on it is a nice, uh, nice move. Nice. Uh, regions that are, I mean, I mean, types of food that are good. I, Himalayan food. Mm. There's a place uh, in the farmer's market in um, uh, Lake Merritt, the Grand Lake Farmer's Market. I don't even know the name. I've eaten there like a hundred times. And Himalayan food, just lentils, rice, um, chicken, hot sauce. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. Yeah. Spicy food is nice for me. Yeah. 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 I feel like that helps. Yeah. Um, zhuk, Chinese kind of porridge that kind of, it accomplishes a kind of carb and soup mission at once. Um, and you can find that all over Chinatown. My mom does a albandiga soup that Mm. I have some in the refrigerator right now and I freeze it. And she did not know as I was growing up that it was like my hangover, you know, like I'd look to see if she had some frozen when I was 18 or 19 and maybe a little younger. Sorry, mom. (laughs) But uh, yeah, soup, albondigas, put a little Tabasco in mm-hmm. it. That was that was that's what my grandpa did. I didn't realize till later that that Tabasco and my grandfather was Mexican and and uh, 
it seemed like a kind of a white guy thing to do. Tabasco. In retrospect, Tabasco. putting Tabasco and <laughs> so anyway, uh, you got another one, Paolo. You're well. I mean, one thing I think you mentioned earlier about those late night places too that you kind of like hit the hangover off at the pass. Uh, <laughs> so like the post two a- two a.m. stops and you know that's kind of um, uh, you know places like Tommy's Joint uh, on Van Ness are amazing for just like kind of feel like you're being a little more responsible by not I don't even know I guess by not going home yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you, you get just, like a full dinner oh yeah yeah late night late night dinner um, depending on the mood and the same with right around the corner is grub steak oh, and yeah. they're open till 4am I think um, but then and they have both the diner food and the Portuguese menu which is amazing nice does Tommy's joint ever close like I, I don't. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I think they they just stay open. They have a door. They have yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That locks. <clears throat> well. I'll, oh wait. Oh, oh, but there's one. Have you been to Silvercrest in the bay on Bayshore? It's right by the old clam house. The donut place. The donut place with the <laughs> weird bar in the back, but they're no. open 24 hours. And you just reminded me of this like this. Like, they have a big like neon sign on the front of it's it's this place is straight out of a David. Lynch movie, uh-huh. um, just like something really weird might happen to you there. <laughs> it they they have like a bunch of pinball machines that are the exact same pinball machine, yeah. but none of them appear to work. <laughs> and, and it's cash only, and like a cup of coffee is oddly like five dollars. Yeah, and they have donuts that are like about five pounds each. And there's the sign out front is says we never close, and it's not does it the tone of it isn't so much like an advertisement it's more like a threat like <laughs> we never close <laughs> but i feel like i feel like you should check it out it's like it's very right out of a david lynch movie it's weird yeah i in new york there's this place on um 14th street called the donut pub that was open super late and sometimes i didn't want pizza you just want like a sugary cruller yeah that can do the trick Late at night. We had, uh, I, I was in L.A. for four years, and myself and a reporter who's very, he's like a, I won't say his name because he's <laughs> got a great reputation. He's been breaking big stories in New York. But we would have what we called substance abuse Saturdays, which was mostly drinking. <laughs> um, and it would always start or end or both at El Coyote, which is a, exact definition of this type of place. I would never want to eat there when I'm not in a certain state. And I would get, I, I almost think like this is one of those things I'm imagining, but I would get ostrich, ostrich tacos. And I never got them anywhere else. <laughs> and I'm thinking now, like, is that even legal? I mean, it's what? like, wasn't that a plot of a Brando movie? It's, like, yeah, he was that eating like all the, these. Gone the way of shark fins. Are they zoo? in danger? No, they were ostrich tacos and they were, it was eating like a chicken or turkey taco, but it was super. Uh, it was greasier, but not in a really bad way. Wait, is this? And I never ate them anywhere else. How drunk were you when you ate them? Various states. Is there I mean, other coming up or coming down? <laughs> um, yeah, are you <laughs> sure you didn't hallucinate these? It, it's possible. It's totally possible. It wouldn't be beyond me. Um, the the other the other classic San Francisco late night food I enjoy sometimes is a dirty dog, a bacon wrapped hot dog. You buy it on the street. It's hot there. They always post up right outside of bars at 2 a.m. when it's been last call and everyone's filing out. And um, 
I mean, you load it up with onions and peppers and mustard and mayo and that's perfect. I, I call that like, that's like the Bart Bridge hot dog that you get. Um, <laughs> it's the it's what's bottlenecking the um, that that uh, overpass that you go to when you're going from Bart to the Coliseum <laughs> or the arena, mm-hmm. and they've got like people in there with those. I've had a couple. Um, good. This is awesome. We should build like an app. Can we? Let's talk to Fernando. Yeah, and let's. Well, I think and, this would be a really good app. I think people would pay for that service. I agree. Or just special edition magazine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we just a premium publication. Sell it. Yeah. I like. I really. I have a child in junior high. I think this should be in his life skills class. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like sex ad. Sex ad. Hangover ad. <laughs> Excellent. Um, anybody have anything to add? I w- I want to just say no stigma. I mean. Everyone, sometimes you don't even drink that much and you feel hungover. Sometimes, like, it's inexplicable. Some, Most of the time, I think, you know, sometimes you don't get a hangover when you probably deserved one. And so I just think, you know, show up with pride the next morning or late at night and uh, hold your head high. I like it. I like it. Paolo, any final thoughts? <laughs> No, I think Esther uh, Esther's words of positivity are going to encourage everyone to drink this weekend a lot. I'm going to go back and and you had that speech, but I'm going to put the like the battle hymn of the republic behind it in post production because um, that moved me and I have nothing to top it. Well, can I can I just ask one thing? Yeah. Um, has anyone either ever experimented with milk thistle or or? Um, the hangover IV drip that I have seen advertised on the internet. What? You can get like a some kind of replenishing, curing IV drip the next morning for like two hundred dollars. See, like when, <laughs> when, when people listen to this in the future, they're going to say, "What's a hangover?" Yeah. Just, everyone, the whole world just has IV drips that they could just heal themselves in thirty minutes. I think that's where we got to end it. Um, <laughs> There's no way to cure a there's, hangover. There's no way to cure a hangover. <laughs> drink less. Drink, drink less and uh, go to uh, uh, the Colma Casino. Um, I, that's fantastic. Thank you so much both for coming. Um, I was, again, really reluctant to even ask you to do this, and I'm so glad I did now. You um, came in, brought some good uh, suggestions, and uh, I appreciate you both coming in. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yeah, big event, Hangover Destinations. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz. Our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. And producers are Peter Hartlaw, Brittany Schell, and Claire Varellis. Thank you to Paolo and Esther. Our theme music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks. And that was Battle Hymn of the Republic by the Eastman Wind Ensemble. Listen to Chronicle Podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and other streaming services. Yeah, we're in the rip.